0: Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are so glad that you are here. So glad you are joining us here on episode 188. We are closing in on 200. We're going to hit that in a couple months. So excited about that. And I appreciate you going on the, the journey with us here for whether this is your first time listening or you've been a long time listener. Uh, either way, glad that you are here. Now, uh, we've got a great guest for you today. Got a great conversation. This is one that people have been asking about for a long time. It's kind of a random one, but we get this question a lot. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do, we have put together a guide that if you haven't downloaded this, you need to check it out. It's basically seven proven steps to finding and booking paid speaking engagements. Again, that's seven proven steps to finding and booking paid speaking engagements. And so if you want to check that out, it's totally free PDF downloadable guide, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash guide. Again, that's thespeakerlab.com slash guide pick that up, and again, follow those seven proven steps to finding and booking paid speaking engagements. So today, we are talking with Matt Ham, and we are talking all about insurance. Now, again, this is a question that I get pretty regularly about you know, the different types of insurance. And so we talk about life insurance and health insurance, disability, uh, liability, and O, all these different types of insurance. We talk about the ballpark price ranges on these different types, where to buy them, which speakers need these, which speakers don't need these. We are digging in all things insurance today. So buckle up, put on the fun hat, my friends. Here we go. Enjoy this conversation with Matt Ham on all things insurance. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Today, we are joined by Matt Ham, and we're going to be talking all things insurance. Dude, I get questions about insurance all the time, which feels like a little random topic in the little niche of the speaking world, but people want to know about insurance. So you're going to be the guy that's going to solve all of our problems. So no pressure well, on you. People are really bored or really scared. It could <laughs> because... be. It could be. Maybe it's possible it's a little bit of both. So before we dive into all things insurance, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt, and uh, your world in the insurance, but also you got a hand in speaking as well.
1: Yeah, Grant. Absolutely, man. So I live in Wilmington, North Carolina with my wonderful wife, Liz. We have four fantastic children, seven-year-old Matthew, identical twin sons, Wyatt and Grayson, who are six, two-year-old daughter, Sarah James. And man, I kind of lost my chops, if you will, in the real estate market back in 08. Came home, tail tucked between my legs, moved in my parents' room over the garage and started an insurance agency here in Wilmington with North Carolina Farm Bureau. Yeah. And man, for the last 10 years, that's been kind of my gig, you know, just helping folks with their insurance needs, working with families and, and just love that interaction. But a few years ago, really felt called to step into something new. Ended up writing my book, Redefine Rich, kind of navigating that struggle between building something, you know, and what is wealth and richness and then began speaking. And it's kind of morphed now into our organization, Uprint, Faith and Personal Development. So we're doing stuff with corporations, really helping them bridge that gap between faith and business and Sundays and stuff. But yeah, insurance has been kind of my go-to. And so I know it well. and, And certainly today I want to be able to speak to that for your listeners.
0: Nice. Very good. And so you're still doing a little bit of speaking on your own?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with our organization, Uprint, a lot of what we do is this idea of, of stepping into the business world and integrating faith is how faith becomes the foundation mm-hmm. of what we do. So philanthropy, giving back, generosity, why are we even making money? Are we even in the right place? So it's a lot about uncovering your why, passion, purpose, how you do this and It's interesting because like, you know, you never think you have a story to tell as a speaker. But once once you're honest and you look back, man, like I had been asked to speak at every single one of my grandparents' funeral, my aunt's funeral. And, you know, that's not something I sought out. But every time I did it, you know, it just felt like God was saying, man, this is something that you love and something you're good at. And it fed people. So for me, it was just more about stepping in courageously and then following it. But, yeah, it's fantastic. I love nothing more than just being able to help somebody and doing that through communicating a message with storytelling to profoundly impact somebody where they are.
0: Nice, very cool. All right, let's dig into the insurance side. So there's a variety of different types of insurance that I want us to kind of touch on. Let's start with some of the big ones. And let's start by talking about primarily life and health insurance. And especially for speakers who are maybe starting to make the transition to, I've been doing this a little bit on my own, but now I'm getting ready to go out and do my own thing and do this full time. One of the things that holds a lot of people back from making that transition from employee to entrepreneur is mm-hmm. insurance and insurance is one of the things that just like for whatever reason just holds people back even though it's just yeah. it's a financial benefit and there's a dollar number associated with it and if you can earn more than what it, it, it it's what you're getting from it in the job it's just it's just a benefit so what should speakers be thinking about whenever it comes to health and life insurance
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things with insurance, Grant, is uh, fear predicates the decision making process. And one of the things that I'm a big fan of is the fact that there is no wisdom in fear. And so you don't need to approach this from this fear mindset of like, oh, my gosh, what am I losing? You know, that's the first thing is that if you're approaching it with that mindset, I don't think there's wisdom in it. And, and so you have to make this thing tangible. And so health insurance is tangibly this. You know, this is insurance to help offset medical bills that would result from something happening. Yeah. And we've become so conditioned in our society that that businesses are supposed to provide health insurance. Right. And there has been a dynamic change in that whole industry over the past few years. And, and what it's helping people to do is own their own health insurance, meaning be responsible for it. Like don't just have something for work, go to the doctor whenever you have a call for whatever and pay a $10 copay, like understand what this is about. And so, The things have kind of switched right now. So depending upon each individual state, you know, with the Affordable Care Act, how that works, that that is a rabbit trail that we don't have time to get into here. And so people need to understand that have a trusted someone to speak with who is going to navigate your particular situation. For example, me and my family, we were on a health savings account, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a high deductible health savings plan, tax advantage as far as sheltering funds to pay for medical expenses, great opportunity for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, because you can fix your cost and set aside funds for your catastrophic, for your deductible, and so we did that for years. But I mean, those got up to like, for the family of six that I'm a part, it's like eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars a month. Yep. Yep. It was crazy, and so we actually just stepped into like a, a Christian MedShare uh, yep. organization, and those are really profound to, to look into. So you know, for health insurance know about it, own it, spend enough time understanding what it is. And the Christian MedShare is a really cool option. What What else is cool is a lot of doctors in different cities now are offering these kind of like community memberships. So like these are certified physicians and doctors that are stepping outside of the traditional realm and saying, hey, pay us a monthly fee come see us as much as you want to for the everyday kind of stuff yeah and so it really helps you fix your costs instead of having to, to bite off a big deductible so that's kind of the medical insurance side that's what t- people tend to focus on people come to me and say hey I need help with health insurance yeah but very rarely people come and say hey I need help with life insurance right <laughs> right because we're all Superman you know well,
0: and to interject on the health side of it we have had the exact same experience we had the, the HSA for several years with a high deductible. And even that, it continued just to climb and it got super, super expensive to the point that I live in the Nashville area. And I guess what about a year and a half ago or so, we had Blue Cross was the main one here locally. And they Same. stopped servicing the Nashville area and stopped servicing a couple of major metro areas in Tennessee. So that's when we made the switch about a year and a half ago to MediShare, which you were describing before. And yeah. there's a couple of those different kind of faith-based sure. medical sharing type platforms. But that, yeah, that's the one we ended up using. But the cost savings is significant. Like we went from paying, I want to say around twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month to now we pay I think three to four hundred dollars a month, somewhere in there, right. maybe off. Yeah, most a family
1: bit. programs are going to be around four hundred dollars a month. On and there's two of them. There's Liberty MedShare or Liberty HealthShare, and then there's Christian MedShare Services or Christian Healthcare Ministries. Th- those are two just to name drop a couple for folks to look into. But yeah, you're going to be able to get a family plan for like 400, $450 a month. And, you know, you're going to have reasonably low deductibles. And one of the things that people need to understand is this is more than an insurance conversation too, grant. This is about owning your money. Yeah. You know, and, and like saying, I am going to set aside the necessary funds for my deductible yeah. so that if somebody has to go to the hospital, I'm not putting that on a credit card or having to go mortgage my house to pay med bills. Right. So, so that's when people get in trouble with this stuff and, and they don't own their dollars on the front end. So these these insurance situations become, they're already stressful, yeah. but then they become catastrophic.
0: Right. Very true. So if someone wanted to look into something like that, you mentioned that the the pricing typically for a, an average family, and again, we're we're talking about all this in the context of the the US. I know we have listeners all over the world, but for the US, it's probably gonna be, you know, anywhere from three to five hundred dollars for that type of plan. Otherwise, if you're looking at some type of traditional health insurance plan, again, depending on your, you know, your age and all these different factors, I assume it could be from several hundred to several thousand.
1: Absolutely. And of course it depends on dependence and, you know, age and all you know, that kind of stuff. So there's huge factors there. But yeah, you're you're seeing a, a dynamic shift. And by the time you post this podcast, guess what? It's gonna change. Right, right. You know what I mean? In the private healthcare market, it just changes so much because there's so much regulation. So that's why these these medshare, Christian Medshare ministry type things are an interesting thing to entertain because they don't change based on what the government does. Yeah. You know what I mean? The government regulates the the health insurance side pretty heavily, but they don't they don't regulate these. And all those are is just like families coming together to say, "Hey, we're going to pull our stuff." Yeah. You know, and they're going to pull up the monies and so it works really well that way. But yeah, medical insurance, health insurance is a huge kind of uh, elephant in the room, and it really boils down to slowing down long enough to begin to understand it and having somebody willing to walk through it with you to speak to your specific situation because you have kids with illnesses and medications, sure. I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved.
0: So let's shift gears and talk about uh, life insurance for a second. So uh, again, a lot of times people are just dependent on my employer is going to provide that. But yeah. there's a variety of different types of insurance, term insurance, whole life insurance, and everything in between. What are the different options of insurance? What should we be looking for? How much should we get? Give us yeah. kind of the rundown on that.
1: Well, man, you know, life insurance is one of the things that nobody wants to talk about, because like I said a minute ago, everybody's Superman, nobody's going to die. And and one of the things that I would tell you is this, is that, you know, no matter who you are, where you work, what you have at your organization, within your work, within your company is I want to say never, you know, but I always hesitate for that one situation. It's never enough. It's never what you need mm-hmm. because they're looking at this on a mass scale and it doesn't apply to your life and your family. Yeah. And, and so you have to have somebody willing to sit down and say, what are your objectives? What are your goals? Right? Like, you know, Grant, you have, how many kids do you have? I have three daughters. Three daughters, right? Bless your heart. I have no one. <laughs> Got my hands so, full, man. So, <laughs> so three daughters, you know, Grant, listen, if something happened to you tomorrow, What type of resources would you want available to make sure that your wife could continue to live the same standard of uh, life that you're living today and your daughters could have these things provided? People don't like to have that conversation with themselves. Yeah. and, And yet they have to you know, cause I always, I always get the kind of, well, I don't want my wife to get rich if I die, you know, or whatever. I'm like, man, listen, this isn't about your wife getting rich. This is about taking care of the income you won't be able to earn because you're not here on this earth. Right. <laughs> and so it really is about a few things. Number one is debt cancellation, period. Tally up your debt on one side of a column. How much debt do you have? All right. Number two, what are you talking about for future expenses? This is college, this is funding, uh, you know, savings like emergency funds, you know what I mean? Like, life is no respecter of persons, right? If Grant dies, you know, and your heating and air conditioning goes out the next week, you know what I mean? And, right. and you haven't set aside funds for that, like, Imagine the stress piled on to the losing a spouse. So, you know, you look at you look at debt replacement, then you look at future kind of stuff with kids colleges and providing for that. And then the third area where most people miss out is income replacement. You are a machine, a mechanic of earning income for your family. Sure. Right. And so you have to say if that machine turns off, I have to be able to replace that. And so you either look at a lump sum thing. So if you make $100,000 a year uh, and you're looking at 10 times income, that's 10 years at 100000 it's a $1 million dollars. Or you can look at what's called, that would be considered a liquidation mechanism where you're liquidating the million to pay the 100000 But then you look at a capital retention program, which is like, okay, well, I've actually got $5 million in insurance invested and it's earning an interest rate of, you know, whatever five to seven percent, I'm gonna live off the, the interest, that is a capital retention mechanism, right? So you can kind of go two paths there. But the point is Dave Ramsey, you know, needed Dave there in Tennessee. I mean mm-hmm. Dave's a good good advocate for this. He generally says ten times your income is a good number to kind of wrap all this together. Yeah. And that's where most people in America earning fifty, sixty thousand, do not have half million dollar, you know, life insurance policies. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of term insurance, as is uh, Dave Ramsey and his model. And, and that's really where we start off with clients. I sit down with them, we run these figures, tally up their debt, tally up their future expenses, and then tally up their income. And it's looking at, you know, one and $2 million worth of insurance generally when it's a family with, you know, kids. And, and the surprising thing though, is, is for, you know, I'm 36, Grant, I don't know how old you are, but 36 there. Oh, that's right. 36 rocks. So stepping into that, you're looking at a very low premium, you know, if you're in good health, I mean, you're, you're looking at 50 bucks a month,
0: Yep.
1: you know what I mean? Something like that, and and it's crazy not to do this for your family, right? So step in on that realm. Now that's kind of the term insurance side of things. Any other questions on that, man? I don't want to. No, buzz th- no, by that buzz. makes sense
0: because I, I think like, and that's exactly what we have. We have term policies, multiple term policies on on me for on the. the- the breadwinner for the family. And to your point, like if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid that I want to make sure that my wife and my daughters are taken care of for the rest sure. of life. Because like you said, it's it's not just the financial strain, but just the the emotional, physical, the, like the, the mental stress of this person that was in our life is now gone. And so mm-hmm. I even think about it like my wife doesn't technically earn an income, but we have a life insurance policy on her knowing that if something happened to her, I'm going to be mentally incapacitated for a, piece of, yes. a period of time. It's going to be hard for yeah. me to earn an income, right? So I'm just, glad you so, said that. So some of it is just, it's buying some of that peace of mind. And I've always heard uh, Ramsey say that statistically, 100% of people will die at some point. And so right. it's not like you're, you're beating the game in some way that you are going to die. And so it's, just, it's, it's not fun to talk about or think about, but it's, it's absolutely necessary because it is going to happen.
1: Well, listen, you know, you either get to make these decisions while you're living as to how you want these things to happen and set them in place now, or somebody's going to be making them when you're not here. Totally. And, and so own that up. And I'm glad you said the point about the spouse. You would be amazed at how many people was like, well, my wife doesn't work or, you know, oh, she doesn't earn as much money as I do. And I'm like, do you understand the, like how valuable your wife is to your life now yeah, yeah. taking care of your kids and all this stuff? So very important kind of concept there. The last thing I'll mention on term insurance is the term of time. OK, 10 year term, 20 year term, 30 year term, you know, and that's how long the premiums are fixed for. Right. That's the okay. period of time. And so term its 10 years fixed premium, 10 years fixed benefit. Yeah. OK, so do not decreasing terms like when the, the the amount drops. Right. Increasing premiums like don't get into these fancy policies that offer something bell and whistle on the front. Find a reputable company with a financial backing to be there for you when you need it. And I'm sorry, but the term.com or rate.com or all these online, I'm going to jump in on this. What they do is they show you the best rate. They show you the Cadillac type situation and they generally sell a Pinto. And that's not anything knocking on them. That's just how they use it. It's a marketing tactic. Show them the most advantageous dollar and then work on the back end is, oh, my rate doubled. Well, that's because, you know, you, you have had pancreatic cancer or something right. two years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Walk with an agent who can speak to your health situation and who can tell you what's going to be best for your family. So that's the big thing on term is navigate the not only the amount, but the term of time, the dynamics of fixed premium and fixed benefit. And then also to on the back end, work with a, a reputable organization, somebody who has your interests at hand.
0: Cool. I like it. All right. Let's talk about the business side of insurance. All right. So as a speaker, there's a variety of different types of insurance that we should probably be considering. So you have things like liability, things like E&O, things like disability. So let's kind of give an overview on each of those and what speakers should be thinking about and considering with them.
1: Yeah. So this is a bigger conversation, man. And and it gets kind of dynamic here because within speaking organizations, I mean, are you the only speaker? Do you employ people? All these different types of, so this is a rabbit trail that, that goes on for days. But the big thing is, is that, you know, when you're talking about, start off with disability. Okay. So life insurance, of course, is if you're not here. Disability is if you can't perform your job.
0: Yeah,
1: And so with a speaker, your disability would not be related to losing a limb as it would be for a physician, maybe. Yeah. But if you lost the capacity to speak. Yeah. And so you're up Greek. You, yeah, seriously, you're having trouble or somebody's gonna have to translate for you. And that is very important to have kind of an own occupation disability policy, which is, you know, a disability policy that is specifically for your occupation so not just because you're disabled right but it's your occupation you can't perform your occupation and you generally are looking at how much income you earn and getting like 60% of that okay. most policies will pay about 60% so if you earn 10,000 a month most disability policies would would leverage up to 60% so 6,000 would be the disability policy you're buying you're buying it to age these policies vary, some 62, some 65, you know, whatever they'll pay out to that point to get you to quote unquote retirement, Mm -hmm. but you're buying a pot of money. Yeah. You know, if you become disabled, you're buying a pot of money that drips out at $6,000 a month in that scenario. Mm -hmm. So disability is important, but again, it requires a lot of underwriting on your specific condition, your specific job. You have to prove your income, you know, what you're making and all of that is couched within. Listen, disability for a roofer—you know, somebody's climbing around on the roof—is yeah. going to be more expensive than someone who is is sitting behind a desk and doing podcasts, for example. Right? right. You hurts, know what I mean? That hurts, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say we're being
0: real. <laughs> so, okay, on the disability thing, a couple of, of questions. There is what's the difference between short-term and long-term disability insurance?
1: Yeah. So most of the time, short-term disability is not something that I advise people to look into purchasing on okay. their own. That's generally a benefit that that organizations do apply, but that's like 90 days, okay. right? If you, you're out for 90 days. And that's where it goes back to put 90 days of your income away.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah
1: have that aside. So you don't have to buy insurance for that. You're okay. self-insuring that 90 days. Gotcha. Now beyond 90 days, that is, I mean, I, I literally, I've lost my my voice, my capacity to speak or some kind of whatever You know, that's beyond 90 days. So the 90 days becomes a waiting period for the long-term disability to kick in. Okay. And that's when you're really looking at a long-term disability product. Okay. Okay? So a lot of these, you know, kind of the Aflac, they're looking at cancer policies, illness policies, short-term disability policies, supplemental policies. Yeah. And they're fine. They're great. But they're not the primary, in my opinion, right? I don't want an AfLAC person gonna yell at me now, but you know, you have your life insurance and long-term disability set up before you begin buying supplemental. You know, that's just kind of my general rule of thumb.
0: Okay. So on that, from a uh, you mentioned that it's all very industry and I I guess job specific. So what a yes. speaker is doing is gonna be very different than when, like you mentioned a, a roofer and the skill set that they need to have physically versus someone who's, you know, an accountant maybe sitting at a desk or whatever it may be. So because it's very industry specific for speakers, let's go back to your example. If let's say, for example, there are, they're making, you know, 10,000 a month, 120 a year to replace that 60%, give us a ballpark. What would that cost per month? And again, I know there's a lot of variables that may yeah. go into that, but I mean, it's, are we talking less than a hundred bucks a month, several hundred dollars a yeah. month or what? I what think a couple like? hundred
1: bucks a month. It, okay. That would be my kind of off the cuff guess. And, okay. and that is, that's really a shot in the dark. I remember seeing something for an agent specific insurance agent to replace about $4,000 a month with somewhere in the $80 a month range. So I would imagine, you know, you're probably in that one to $200 a month range. Of course, it depends on age too, yep. you know, so there's a lot of different factors in this. But yeah, generally speaking, $100, $200 a month. But think about this, man, you're making $10,000 a month. Yeah. Okay. And you're talking about setting aside $200, right? Help me math on this. That's 2%, right? Sure. Yeah. You're talking about setting aside 2% of your income to protect your income in the event of disability, right? So insurance is just a transference of risk. And so when you look at your overall insurance package, think of it as a percentage of the income that you're earning to protect the income that you earn for the surviving members of your family. Yeah, Disability if you're living, life insurance if you're not.
0: How important do you feel like disability is insurance is for speakers, because I, I've heard some speakers who swear by it and say, Hey, you got to have it. You know, if, if I can't get on a plane tomorrow, my business goes away. And others who say, Hey, if I can't get on a plane tomorrow, I'll find somewhere else to make money. So what are you? Yeah. and again, like it's impossible to predict, like if I am disabled, how am I disabled in what form what does that prevent me from doing or generating an income in other ways? So,
1: yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. My bottom line on it comes down to budgeting. In all honesty, get honest about your budget first, right? And if you all of a sudden you're making 10,000 and you've got your budget nice and tight and all of a sudden, hey, you've grown your your revenue by 20%. So you're making 12,000. Okay, now it's probably time to go get some disability kind of give back a little bit and start to set up mechanisms in in place that will continue to protect it. So for me, that's really when it comes down to priority and and there's an overarching theme in the conversation now, Grant, it's just, you know, owning your money first is a huge thing and entrepreneurs in general, whether you're a speaker or whatever, like gosh knows, man, the biggest thing is stop out spending what you earn and, and start owning your dollars now tell them where to go and be smart about it. That's one of the things with my insurance transition, you know, for 10 years, I've been earning an income in insurance, yeah. but I got real honest about setting aside the monies to be able to step into my speaking endeavors in this new thing with Uprint, you know, but I did that because I owned it up front. Yeah. And so now I'm not beholden to a paycheck. Oh, I can't do that because, you know, right. there's no excuses. So anyway, it's already going off on a tangent there, but it, it ties into everything.
0: No, Absolutely. Okay. So on the disability side, when we were talking about the like health and life, typically those are bigger things that you could find from your local agent, whoever's taking care of, you know, house yeah. or rent or, or car or whatever. But with something like disability, is that more of a specialty type agent that we should be looking for or going to?
1: Yeah, not really. I mean, most companies that offer life and health, you know, you're big, you big for your nationwide state farm, all State. Those types of companies are going to be your captive agents. They're going to have a life arm, right? But okay. then you've got your independent agents who are selling for a variety of different companies, you yeah. know, travelers, farmers, whatever, Erie Insurance, or you know, you name it. There's thousands. Yeah. All of them are going to have access to those products, right? Now, there might be a life and health specialist in your city where they're going to specifically work on life, health, disability, things like that. And so you have to make a decision, do I have a guy or lady guy, you know, the lady that helps me with my insurance portfolio and I trust them with all of it, or do I have kind of my life disability guy over here or my personal lines person over there? Okay. But yeah, that that's where that goes. And now, now the stepping into the second part of this, as you're talking about general liability and E&O uh, insurance, things like that, that's when this stuff gets very specialized. Okay that's kind of tapping into this whole thing about where to go for that. So let's
0: dig in on those then. Cause um, yeah, yeah, that's another, that's another one of those that's just kind of like, I don't know, should we get it? Should we not get it? Do we need uh-huh. it? And especially when it comes to speakers, again, there's, I know some speakers who swear by it and some speakers say, I've never had an issue with it. Certain events may ask for it. I know in my career I've had a variety of events that I've asked that I have some type of insurance liability insurance in place. Typically, I've been able to just kind of push back and they're like, "Ah, okay, I guess you don't need it after all. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. So should speakers do, do we need liability? Do we need e is e is liability? What's the differences? Yeah. Talk us through those.
1: Well, it's interesting, man. Like, here's the deal. You know, Grant, you speak on a lot of stages, right? I mean, you're doing this thing full bore, you know? I mean, that's your profession. I know a lot of the listeners, it's their profession too. Yeah. But the point is, is if you're speaking at Toastmasters, you know what I mean? Or the Rotary Club, you know what I mean? You're probably not going to need to worry about this. So like, don't put pressure on yourself. Just be honest about where you are in your speaking career. I mean, yeah, if you're bringing in solid income from speaking and that's your full-time endeavor and you have a company and this is it, I mean, yeah, start to invest in these things. But don't, don't come out and be like, oh, well, I haven't really started my speaking career because I don't have liability insurance. Right. <laughs> you know? That should like, not be holding it, you back. Yeah, seriously. So just be mindful of the process and be honest about where you are as a speaker and where you are as a business. Like same thing goes true for businesses in any you know industry. But I think one of the things too is that, so liability insurance, this is okay. Grant Baldwin is our speaker today and he brought his man purse, his book back or whatever, and he left it on the stairs And our CEO was stamping down and tripped over, you know, Grant's bag and he eats it right in the front row in front of a thousand of his employees, you know, employees. Right. That's liability insurance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is it only related to something like physically happening?
1: Yes. So that's liability, general liability. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's products or no, no, I'm sorry, not products included operations, but it's premises liability. So it follows you wherever you go in the event that you trip the CEO. Right. Right. Um, So it's
0: really like, is it primarily like if I cause some type of situation like that? So if I fall off the stage, liability is not going to help me
1: Sorry, everybody just laughs. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It just makes it for a good story. But there's no insurance covering me in that situation.
1: It's really awkward, and yeah, you're having to pay for it. No, so, yeah, that's liability, man. So, generally speaking, general liability for a speaker is going to be very low. Because, I mean, the only exposure is you tripping somebody with, you know, your microphone stand or your, you know, video stand or something. I mean, and very, very rarely is that going to be a problem. That happens more uh, when you are giant, like you are the speaker guy, you know what I mean, that everybody knows. And all of a sudden somebody's like smells blood in the water and they're like, I'm going to trip myself on Grant's stand and settle this thing out of court unfortunately that's what that's about so that has more to do with reputation in my opinion and the bigger you get the more probably need to look into it on the errors and omissions side there's a fine line with what speakers do right because are you giving someone your advice you know are you giving someone an opinion you know what i mean are you giving them a technical like here is how you eat a hot dog and if you don't eat it right you're gonna choke on it so the errors and omissions. On that side of the industry is probably very, very specific. Like, I'm not familiar with it. Like, for example, with me as an insurance agent, if I fail to insure somebody's house to the right value and it burns down, I omitted this information to the insured and they suffered for that. Yeah. And so there's an EO claim that all of a sudden now their $575,000 house is paid out of my EO insurance and I don't have to lose my whole world yeah. because I made a, a mistake. So that's, ENO. professional liability is what you see physicians, you know, having, okay. uh, they're performing surgery on someone. I'm having a funny moment right now, the Seinfeld episode, when the junior mint goes inside, they're doing the surgery, <laughs> right, you know, right. he's opened up. Right. When things like that happen, that's professional liability, you know? Yeah. And so for a speaker, it's like, you know, I don't know. Does
0: it feel just know, like a gray area for speakers?
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's because Grant told me this, and I went and did it, and it didn't work. Like, how do you prove that in a court of law? Yeah. Like, how are you liable? Is what I'm kind of getting at.
0: So it seems like it depend. Like again, the answer is it can be a little vague. Of it depends, but it seems like yes. a, a big thing. It depends on is maybe the industry that you're speaking to or the audience that you're speaking to. If exactly. you're someone that is is traveling around and you're doing. Magic tricks for elementary kids. it may be very, very different than if you're speaking to some highly regulated financial services industry talking to their executives about exactly. super technical things that yes. feel very it could feel very murky,
1: yeah. so if you're teaching financial investment strategies, then you are taking you know liability for this is what I teach, and someone does that program and all of a sudden they lose this and you're responsible. That's professional liability, e o, that type of thing that you made an error or you omitted something, you know, th- that's what that looks like. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, for the, the, someone who's making balloon animals, you know what I mean? Like there's not a whole lot of liability there. Right. Uh, you know, Pop but yes, yeah, balloon so
0: that- in a kid's face though.
1: <laughs> it could happen. And so that's why it's there. But, but again, like I said, going back to so much of insurance is predicated on fear. Yeah. And so don't let the fear be the driving force like, oh my gosh, you know, this is going to happen tomorrow. But instead, you know, really work on growing your business, growing your revenue. When you get to a point, don't spend all of it and start saying, okay, now I need to seek out the counsel from a professional in that field near me to advise me on how this stuff kind of rolls out. Yeah. Stepping into something else, when you start employing as part of your organization, mm-hmm. You're employing other speakers, you're employing administrative roles or uh, media help, whatever it is, then you have to start dealing with workers' comp insurance. So every state is regulated differently. How many employees do you have? A lot of people dodge that bullet by just paying everybody 1099. Mm-hmm. But at, this, at the end of the day, you're still responsible because you are employing them. And if if you cause something for them to be injured on the job or whatnot, there's just regulations there. So check into the state regulations on workers' comp when you start growing a business to understand what you need from liabilities standpoint and, and all that kind of stuff.
0: So for something like liability, for something like workman's comp, you know, some of these more specific things that may be specific to speaking and just kind of, again, depends on the niche of the industry. If our local, you know, XYZ insurance company agent, isn't going to be a fit for that. Are there specialty companies we should go or like where should we begin to look into this?
1: Yeah, you know I was thinking about this as I was kind of thinking through the conversation today. I would imagine maybe the National Speakers Association okay. would have some type of affiliation there. Okay. I don't know if they do or not. I don't know a lot of folks over there, but maybe you do and and maybe you could reach out to kind of in a, I think it's NSA, right? In mm-hmm. NSA. Yep. yep. Reach out to NSA in your area and find out if they have, you know, anything like this. Because a lot of times there will be national companies yeah. who partner with national associations to provide this stuff in a very packaged way. Right. And, and, and when it comes to this stuff, that's where you'll find that. You know, it's very different on the personal side with the disability and the life and health and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's where you want to find somebody in town, really, in my opinion. Cool.
0: So, just it seems like kind of an overarching thought here. It, to kind of put a bow on it, is that insurance, is, like you mentioned, it's it's not based on uh, not predicated on fear, but really it's just it's that transfer of risk that you're ultimately you're buying peace of mind that I don't have to stress about this, I don't have to worry about this. God forbid if something were to happen to me, health wise, life wise, car, house, business, any mm-hmm. of the above, that I'm covered, I'm taken care of, and it's an annoying expense, but it is that transfer of risk that just comes with the, it's kind of the nature of the beast.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely as pennies for dollars. You yeah. know, you're leveraging pennies today for possible dollars in the event, of the catastrophic, you know, like yeah. you said, transference of risk. One of the things that I talk about with with folks is with insurance is, is I am building my assets, right? So think about a speaker. I'm building my assets. I'm growing my business, yeah. right? As I'm growing, I need to have insurance to protect what I'm growing. Yeah. You know, then as I am managing my assets, I need to have the transference of risk. Yeah. But on the back end of this is at some point in time I am going to have to distribute these assets to kids or to whatever organizations and I need to think through every single step of that process and if I'm going to be an entrepreneur this is just one of those things that gets people in a lot of trouble because they fail to spend the time on the front end going through this. And what happens is they leave themselves exposed. I'll never forget one of the first pictures you get when you go to like an insurance school is they, they draw a little stick figure inside the middle of a, a box. Right. Yeah. And then they draw these little like stick wolves around the, the <laughs> stick figure. And they start putting like lines in front of the man and the wolves. Yeah. And he's like, this is your life insurance. This is your health insurance. and the idea is you don't want to leave any open gates for the wolves to come in yeah you know and and so take that analogy how you will you know however far some people are going to build some some kind of like (laughs) concrete structure yeah killing the wolves but Yeah, absolutely. So don't let fear be the the driving factor, but, but do own it and be honest enough about it to kind of step into it. And I promise you, if you lay the foundation for this stuff on the front end, it'll always be there on the back end when it's needed instead of it being a surprise. And that's why people, quote unquote, hate insurance. You hear that all the time. I hate insurance. Right. Well, it's because you didn't own it. You didn't understand it. Right. You just bought something you didn't look into yeah. and you didn't get honest enough to look into it. And so now you feel jipped off when it really was your own fault for not doing the research on the front end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, Matt, this has been super helpful, man. We appreciate you taking the time. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, uh, where can we go?
1: Yeah, so mattham.com and uprint.life. That's y o u p r i n t dot l i f e.
0: Nice. And if people have additional questions or like, hey, I'm curious on this, or can we follow up on that? Are, there, are you cool if people reach out?
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, and that's mattham.com. That's why I gave that site. That that's kind of where I still function there. But uprint's our organization side.
0: Cool. Awesome, Matt. We appreciate the time, buddy. Hey, man. Thank you. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Ham on, uh, on anything and everything, all the ins and outs of insurance as it relates to speakers. Now, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you haven't already, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com slash guide. Again, that's thespeakerlab.com slash guide. Pick up that seven proven steps to finding and booking paid speaking engagements. It's a free PDF we put together for you with a step-by-step plan. Again, you can pick that up over at thespeakerlab.com slash guide. That wraps up today's episode, boys and girls. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.